Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So we've been in a series, Killing What's Killing You. And it's really addressing that sin begins in the heart. And sin kills us because the enemy has set out to seek to kill and destroy us. And sin kills us and it hurts us. And um, if you missed any of the series, I encourage you to go back on our website and catch up. But I get to wrap up the series today. And when I was praying and asking God what to preach on, I was in the yard taking the dog out to use the restroom and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. So you can hear from God anywhere, doing anything. Um, So I wanted to preach on something a little light, like a light sin. But you know what? There's no light sin with God. (laughs) It's all equal. Um, But I wasn't expecting him to drop this word in my spirit to preach on. But when I asked him, you know, what do you want me to preach on this weekend? He said, contempt. Like, really? Todd got to preach on busyness. (laughs) No, busyness kills us, and I'm so thankful for Todd's message last weekend. Um, But contempt isn't something I would normally uh, ask to preach on, (laughs) because it seems like such a harsh word. And... um, But when I began to do a lot of research and just ask the Lord about it, He just spoke to my spirit that contempt is probably the number one thing that is attempting to take out churches all across America right now. It's attempting to take out relationships of all kinds right now, and it's attempting to take out our country. And it begins in Christians' hearts. And so I want to speak on that, not want to, I don't want to speak on that today. I'm going to speak on that today. Um, So just to kind of give you a scenario of what sometimes we think contempt is, um, I'm from Texas. Texas has great contempt for Oklahoma. Um, any of you, are you, were you already aware of that? Okay, so specifically University of Texas football and OU football, serious contempt happening. I grew up in a UT home, and um, my mom is like the sweetest person until you have her watch football with you. <laughs> This whole other person comes out. I'm like, who are you? Uh, no, she doesn't get angry or anything, but it's just funny. And so sometimes she has to turn it off and... Um, and so my mom um, was very passionate about UT and her dislike for OU. And so, and many know about the Red River, Red River rivalry. And so I grew up with a serious contempt for OU. Now, most of it was fun and games, but there are some fans who contempt leads to a sin when it comes to that rivalry. Um, but when I found out Mel was from Oklahoma and God wanted me to marry him, that was a problem. <laughs> but he only got to marry me because he is from, he loves OSU, not OU. So he got a pass. I'm kidding, you guys. Um, I'm not that mean. But I did have a friend who married, uh, was from Texas as well, and she married someone who was a, a, a vibrant OU fan. And I was like, Casey, you cannot bow. You cannot bow. And she bowed um, to save her marriage. So um, anyways, that's the funny part of contempt, right? The not so funny part is about 10 years ago, uh, we were serving at a church And frankly, we were serving under a leader that was really hurting. And um, 
He would take his hurt and his anger and his frustration out on our staff. And so um, I began to have a growing contempt in my heart towards him. My heart got hard. I just let that contempt kind of grow. And I wouldn't have even said at the time that it was contempt. Um, But I had a woman come in who I really esteemed and admire come in to speak for one of our women's conferences. And it wasn't what I said. She asked me a specific question, but it was the look on my face and my response. Have you ever seen someone look at you with a look of contempt? Sometimes we don't notice that we're actually giving a look of contempt, but if you've ever been on the receiving end of a look of contempt, she, she wasn't receiving that, but she witnessed it on my face, and she gave me truth and love and called me out on it. I'm so thankful that she did because I truly believe if she would not have called me out in truth and love and exposed the sin of contempt in my heart, I would have never been able to restore a relationship with that pastor, which I've been back to speak at his church several times. I would have never, maybe, probably even been able to continue in ministry because my heart would have become so hard. See, the sin of contempt will take us out. And, um, and so I'm so thankful that, um, you know, just that I was willing, and I'm not, I'm not bragging on myself, I'm just saying that it's important that we soften our hearts enough to allow God to speak to us and allow him to reveal sin in our hearts. He never reveals, but only to heal. It's the only reason. He's so kind about it. And so um, I want to define contempt. So the The definition of contempt is the feeling that a person or thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. And I know many of us probably would say, well, I've never like looked down on anyone. But you're probably lying to yourself a little bit. Because we all have dealt with the sin, whether we've let it grow or not. Um, if someone has a differing opinion than you, you can look down on their, their opinion. Maybe it's a racial issue where you look down on them or, or a socioeconomic looking down upon, or maybe it's your sibling. It's funny, but it's not, but right? We can have real contempt towards our siblings. We can have contempt towards our parents. How many of you, your kids have looked at you with a look of contempt? How many of you kids have seen your parents look at you with a look of contempt? So we all have contempt that can affect us. Contempt dehumanizes so that we can feel better about ourselves when we have contempt towards someone. Because if we dehumanize them, then we take away the ability for them to be able to feel or or for it to be able to affect them at all. It devalues, it puts others down. And uh, Matthew 5 was Jesus' most famous sermon ever. It was the Sermon on the Mount. And so he starts off that passage of Scripture with the Beatitudes. 
and in Saul. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And all of these beautiful things that Christ's followers should be, and, and he speaks over us. And, and what Jesus came to do was not abolish the law, but to fulfill it and then flip it on its head a little bit, to take it a step further. And so we get through all of these blessed R's, and then we get to verse 21, which doesn't make much sense because he begins to address murder, and it seems a little harsh. And, um, but really what Jesus is doing is he is addressing those that, um, that fulfill the law, that carry out the law. Um, and so they are, you know, carrying out the law of Moses, following it, teaching it. And, and it says, you know, you shall not murder. So obviously, if you kill someone with intent you deserve judgment. Like we all would agree upon that. Um, But Jesus takes it a step further in everything he does because again, sin begins in the heart. Sin begins one day when we allow something to grow and take root and to to take place. Uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 22 says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. (sighs) Like, Jesus, you're a little much, you think? And honestly, that's what the men or, and women maybe who would have been listening to him, they probably would have like snickered a little like, Jesus, you're comparing me calling someone a fool to murder? Are you serious? Like, I'm going to be judged to the hell of fire for saying you fool? And so in the NIV, the word says raka instead of fool. So anyone who says raka will be liable to the hell of fire. And to call someone raka expressed contempt for their intelligence. Calling someone a fool showed contempt for their character. So it's not like Jesus wasn't saying like you saying to your friend and he met, like does something silly and you say, you idiot. That's not what Jesus was referring to. He was saying... To call someone Raka was nitwick, blockhead, numbskull, bonehead, brainless idiot. It's almost an untranslatable word because it describes a tone of voice more than anything else. Its accent is the accent of contempt, and it's the word that of one who despises another with an arrogant contempt of I am better than you and you are lesser than. So I know many of you in this room have been called names and you have been called names with contempt. And that's why it is so damaging to our souls. It's likely, um, you know, like in these times, um, Jesus here was delivering a paradox that was just the spirit behind the name calling. So it's the attitude of contempt that he takes so seriously that he, he puts it on the same level as murder in our hearts. Hey, kids, you've had contempt for your parents. Parents, you've had contempt for your kids. Friends have had contempt for one another. And in these times that we are living in, contempt sneaks its way so easily into our hearts by everything we're watching, listening to, what we're around, what we're feeding our minds with. 
When we live our lives by our own rules or how we feel, we think we can judge and we think we can have contempt because they deserve it. But if we live our lives according to the way of Jesus, contempt has no place in our hearts because it is extremely sinful. And it has no place, especially in a Christ follower's heart. So I'm going to talk about some ways contempt kills us. Contempt kills relationships. It is the number one killer in marriages. Um, John Gottman, who is a, um, he is a, like a marriage expert and psychologist. And I studied him in graduate school when I was getting my master's. And he calls the four horsemen um, things that he looks for when a couple walks into his room and the number one killer horseman is contempt. So within a matter of seconds, he says he can judge whether or not a couple is going to divorce um, by the way they respond to each other. So if there is contempt at work, if there's sneering, name calling, cold, coldness, um, 94% of couples statistically will end in divorce if it isn't for a miracle of God if there's contempt at work. Um, Parent-child relationships, it kills those relationships, friendships, and most importantly, it kills our relationship with God. You know, the Israelites were notorious for experiencing God's goodness, him, him releasing them from captivity, and then they would go around the mountain and get poor as me, woe as me, and get stuck in the same place, and they would develop contempt in their hearts towards God. Of God, why are you not delivering me? Why are you not setting me free? Why are you not providing for me? Forgetting everything that he's already done, and November, Numbers uh, 14, 11 says, The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I believe there's some of you in this room today and watching online that you have developed a contempt towards God. It is killing your relationship with God because you are stuck in a pattern of where are you, God, and why aren't you doing this for me, and you're doing it for them, and they don't deserve it. Contempt creeps up in our social. I mean, you get on social media, and five seconds, you see contempt coming from non-Christians and Christians alike. It's no different. I'm not seeing any difference uh, the way Christians and non-Christians are handling social media for the most part. It comes up in our political differences for sure. Um, we are seeing a greater level of contempt among the Republican and Democratic parties than we've ever seen um, in our lifetimes. It's causing this uh, unity, uh, disunity and, and, and hate and absolute contempt and Christians are a part of it. Contempt creeps up in our moral and theological differences it's just a constant like, you're right and I'm wrong and there's no middle ground so I'm going to have contempt for you because I'm better because I know right. What we are dealing with has deep roots in our hearts. An author and columnist, and he's now a Harvard professor, Arthur Brooks, he says the difference between hot hate and cool hate is hot hate is based on anger while cool hate is based on contempt. And cool hate can be every bit as damaging as hot hate. You know, John Tyson, he is one of my favorite pastors to listen to, and he has written a book called Beautiful Resistance, and I highly encourage every single one of you to read it. Um, he says in his book, no followers of Jesus can walk in fullness and joy when they harbor cool hate in their hearts. 
That's really why I believe that the Spirit asked me to preach on this today, because we are limiting our ability to walk in fullness and joy because of the contempt we're holding in our hearts, because we so desperately want to be right. Um, in Romans 2, um, well, let me go back. In Romans 1, Paul addresses those who are unrighteous and talks, goes through this list of ways um, God kind of handed over people to their sin and they were just living in crazy, ungodly ways. And then in Romans 2, he addresses the moralists, the people who walk the straight and narrow, who are, you know, doing all of the right things, and they have gotten super judgmental towards the people in chapter 1. And so Jesus doesn't leave it just at the people that are sinning and living crazy lives, but he begins to address the ones who are holding contempt in their heart and who have taken the place as judge. And so Romans 2, 4 through 5, it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So what's taken place here is these moralists, they have taken advantage of God's grace and mercy. They have forgotten what God has done for them and that everyone is deserving of God's grace and mercy and kindness. Our sin is knowing the kindness of God yet believing that we deserve it and those that we hold in contempt do not. I, I have been one of those people where I have been the one who has forgotten the kindness of God. that he has shown me and I'm so quick to judge others and think that they're not worthy of the same mercy and grace. I know you are too. We all are. It's so easy to fall into that. See, the fact is, is no matter how reprehensible the people or activities we're condemning are, we still aren't justified to sin in our response. We're called higher. We're not called to respond like the world. There are crazy things happening. There are ungodly things happening. But, but church, we are not to respond with sin in our hearts. We are to respond the way Jesus responds, and his way looks a whole lot different than ours most of the time. Now, before ripping into offending parties, ask yourself, is my motive to be right or is it to be righteous? Because if outrage results in restoring people into loving, healing relationship with Jesus, then that's righteousness. If it looks like anything else, it's just that you want to be right. Here's another question. Is what I'm posting on social media going to earn me the right to speak into an unbeliever's life and lead them to Jesus, or will it close off relationship completely and they want nothing to do with us? I'm, I'm afraid that we as Americans have gotten so prideful about our American rights 
that we have put that before the way of Jesus. We are more concerned about being an American than we are a Christ follower. And that is the reason statistics are showing, I fully believe, that Barna Research Group is showing that statistically that the American church is on the tipping point for irreversible return. We are the only country in the world that the church is declining. That should stop us in our tracks. It's not because of the world. It's because of Christians sitting in the churches that are allowing sin to grow in their hearts. Romans 14.10 says, Then why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. The second thing is kills, contempt kills me. It kills us. According to the American Psychological Association, contempt, um, anyone who is like the brunt of contempt that's receiving the contempt, it, it causes them uh, increased anxiety, depression, and sadness. And it also damages the contemptuous person, the one that's dishing out, um, by stimulating two stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. And what happens when cortisol and adrenaline are put into action and are released, you, have um, you are put at increased risk of many health problems, including anxiety, depression, heart disease, digestive problems, headaches, sleep problems, weight gain, memory and concentration impairment. So I just wonder if any of you who are dealing with contempt are experiencing any of those things today. Because I, when I have conversations with people about the feelings that they're having, the things that they're having, they're saying that they're having increased anxiety and depression. And, and But I fully believe that it's linked to the contempt that we are all have growing in our hearts. Matthew, Mark 7.20 says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. A third thing is contempt hinders the kingdom of God from advancing. There's a saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. And what that means is the more you get to know a person, the more you can have contempt for them because you can get the attitude of, who do you think you are? I know you. I know where you've been. How do you think God's going to use you? Why do you think you get to go to that college or do that or earn that position at work? That's why familiarity breeds contempt. So Jesus would have experienced this in his own hometown. And in Matthew 13, 53 through 58, it says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he left there. He went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this... Mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, aren't they all with us? So where does he get these things? And they were offended by him. And then Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. If you're not seeing kingdom advancement in your own life, it may be because you have the sin of contempt at work in your heart. If you're not seeing God have breakthrough in your own life, 
It may be because you have the sin of contempt in your heart. If you're not seeing breakthrough in your marriage and in your friendships, it might be because the sin of contempt is active in your heart. And church, I don't know about you, but for me, I do not want me to be the one who keeps the kingdom of God from advancing in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world because of the sin of contempt of I'm right and you're wrong. I don't want to be the one who keeps healings and miracles from happening because of the sin of contempt. So how do we kill contempt? Number one, contempt dies when we honor others. Honor is the opposite of contempt. So that's exactly how we kill it. John Tyson says, honor is the call to recognize the value someone possesses and esteem that person rightly. And when we understand that call, we can see that honor is the culture of heaven. Honor is the culture of heaven. So if contempt is the opposite, what would that culture be? One of our um, friends and pastors in Lancaster, PA, um, Pastor Sam Masteller, Freedom Life Church. He was with us last year or the year before and helped us teach the honor series that we did. And um, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But their mantra at their church is honor up, honor down, honor all around. That is the culture of heaven. That is the culture of heaven. Romans um, 12.10 says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. See, contempt removes dignity while honor restores dignity. And you can say, Kim, well, I don't agree. Why, why do they deserve honor? Well, you're not the judge. Again, you're not the judge. Galatians 3.28 says, There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. So there's no Democratic or Republican. There's no um, black or white. There's no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus, regardless of what you believe or don't believe. There's no Calvinist. You know, that we're all one in Christ Jesus if we follow Jesus. So we all have to honor one another with the dignity of you are created in Jesus Christ just as much as I am. Ricky has all of the authority of heaven just like I do. Our skin color has no difference. Ricky has the same dignity and honor that I do. We were both sinners. Neither one of us deserved to be here, do we? But Jesus Christ. But Jesus. And that is the same honor that we are to give one another, regardless of beliefs, regardless of what we think or feel. If we're not lining ourselves up to the way of Jesus, we're missing the mark. The second thing is contempt dies when we serve. Jesus made it his mission in life to serve and honor those who held in contempt. Others held, I mean, people in such great contempt, you know. Jesus went to the Samaritan woman and a Jewish man especially would have never had a conversation with a Samaritan. They hated one another. There was strong contempt. At his table, the tax collector sat with the zealot. Those two would have never agreed on anything. They believed totally different things and saw things completely different, yet we think we are better and know better than Jesus. 
and we can't bridge the gap. We can't serve others because they're different than us and we are right and they are wrong. Philippians 2, 3 through 11 says, and Christina um, read some of this earlier, but it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. It doesn't say the ones like you, the ones that believe exactly like you. It's not what it says. It says, adopt that same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the key point here is Jesus was God, yet he did not consider his equality with God something to be exploited, which means he did not use his God card to smash people. Yet how many of you see Christians smashing people with their God card? We all do. We've all done it. And John 13 is the most beautiful scene. They're at the Last Supper before Jesus is going to be crucified. And Jesus knows that Judas is going to hand him over to his killers He knows that Peter is going to deny him three times, yet if I were Jesus, here's what contempt would do and what Kim would do. If I knew that two of my best friends were about to rat me out and hand me over to my murderers to be hung on a cross and beaten and experience the most excruciating death I could ever experience, I wouldn't do what Jesus would do. Or I wouldn't want to. What I would want to do is go to social media with it. I want to be like, hey, y'all. Steph and Christina are about to send me out to my killers. I would want to make an announcement in the room. Hey, these two, they're about to rat me out. And that way the mob of disciples would come and take over and I would be set free and not be crucified. Right? That's what contempt does. But Jesus, he gathers all of his friends, his disciples, and he takes off his cloak and he kneels before them and washes their feet, showing to them that we are all to humble, be, humble ourselves as servants, that we don't get to judge who does and does not deserve to have their feet washed. And if the Messiah felt like it was important to show that lesson. How much more is it for us? So now I was preparing for this message. I just got this picture of you, of me, taking the person who I have the most contempt for or the issue, the person that represents the issue that I have the most contempt for and going to them and washing their feet. I pictured city leaders having their feet washed 
by those of us who have very strong opinions about the mask ordinance that is up for vote. I picture superintendents having their feet washed by those of us who have very strong opinions about the decisions they're making for our kids in school. I picture Democrats and Republicans coming together and washing each other's feet like Jesus would. You know, we're called to live in such a way that people should constantly be asking, why would you do something like that for me? I feel like for the most part, Summit Church is known for that. I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. We have a great reputation. In fact, Blairsville, as Steph tells me, every time they go to Blairsville, um, people are like, I can't believe you're coming, like complete strangers who like know their faces now. <laughs> I love that we have the reputation. But listen, where I come to with the people that I disagree the strongest with and where I feel that contempt for is I want them to ask, why would you do something like, why would someone like you do something like that for me? Because... That's exactly what I say to Jesus. Jesus, why would you do something like that for someone like me? And if we're his followers, people should be asking us the same question. And if we're not, if they're not, we have to pause and ask ourselves why. Contempt dies when we walk by the Spirit. Jesus knows we can't do this on our own. <laughs> I cannot do this on my own. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit and he called us to walk by the Spirit and in tune with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, 22 through 26, it says, I say then walk by the Spirit. You will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, we don't have to agree with someone to deserve the fruit of the Spirit coming from us. If you're social media posts, or if your conversations don't reflect the fruit of the Spirit, again, we have to pause and ask ourselves, am I walking by the Spirit, or am I walking by the need to be right in my flesh? And I'll be the first to say I'm so guilty of walking by the flesh far too often. None of us are perfect, and that's why we need to be reminded of God's grace and mercy. We're not to become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Contempt dies when we intercede. Are you praying more than you're scrolling? Are you praying more than you're watching YouTube videos on conspiracy theories? And you're like, Kim, now you're getting in my business. Are you praying more than you're looking for dirt? I see it running rampant in Christians. We are addicted to the dirt. We're addicted to look for the bad. You know, 123 children were rescued yesterday all across our nation. 
if you hate what's happening with human trafficking, quit posting about it and get involved with A21. I mean, still post about it, but get involved. We can gripe all day long, but if we're not doing anything except griping, we're not building bridges. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What the scripture doesn't say is if those that are unbelievers and are terrible humans and who deserve hell call my name. It says, if my people, if the church, if those will call themselves believers, will humble themselves and admit that we too have sin in our hearts and we will turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and then he will heal our land. Some of you feel like you're being persecuted because of the mask issue. I'm not going to give my strong opinion on that one. But here's what I know is that our friends in other countries, I have family members that serve as missionaries in countries that would be called live dead countries where they literally could be beheaded for their faith. And do you know what they tell us? They say, Kim, do not stop praying for persecution to end. Why do they say that? Because the kingdom of, uh, kingdom of God, the church is advancing in radical ways in those countries. So again, this is where we as Americans have to ask ourselves, am I just getting hung up on my right to be right? Or am I praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done? A contempt dies when we repent. I had to repent doing this message. Because the thing is, is I never preach a message that God doesn't do a work inside of my heart. And I never want to preach a message that God doesn't do a work inside my heart. I had to repent of some contempt that I had developing in my heart. See, repentance is a turning away from and towards God, and true repentance requires radical obedience. You see these disciples, when, they, when Jesus calls them out of where they are, they don't even question leaving behind everything that they are, everything that rep, they represent, and leaving and following Him. And He wants us to do the same. He wants us to leave behind contempt once and for all so that he can do a crazy healing work within our church and within our city and within our nation. Within your marriage. A heart breaks at the marriages that are being ripped apart due to contempt. He wants to do a healing work in your parent-child relationship. But you hold so much contempt for one another that he can't work. And today is the day where the miracle worker wants to step in. 
don't let your heart stay hard just because you want to be right. Don't be the one that keeps the God, kingdom of God from advancing in your life. Psalm 123.3 says, Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, for we have had more than enough contempt. And that's our prayer today. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God, because I have had more than enough contempt. Jesus, right now, I just pray all over this room that, God, you are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. And in a day and age where it seems dark, darker than it's ever been, God, I pray that Christians would lead the way in restoring relationship. I pray that Christians would lead the way in honoring others that are different from them. I pray that Christians would lead the way in racial reconciliation, God. I pray that Christians would lead the way in restoring reconciliation in their home, God. Lord, we want to see your glory. We want to see you do miracles and wonders. But God, today we admit we need you and we need to repent of our ways. We need to pray for those in leadership. We need to pray for those in politics. God, we need to be down on our knees asking for divine and holy wisdom from you and you alone, Father. So Jesus, I pray right now that every yoke would be broken in this place. I pray that every spirit of contempt would flee in Jesus' name. And you would restore it with hope and grace and mercy and honor. I pray for those who have experienced contempt, who have been on the other end. I just command honor to be over them in Jesus' name. I pray that contempt would be removed from their lives and that honor would be restored, that dignity would be restored in Jesus' name. I want everyone to keep their heads bowed and their eyes closed. But if you're in this room and maybe you say today, Kim, I I don't follow Jesus or I did at one time, but I, I did develop some contempt towards God and it's separated me from him. And I want to be in relationship with him. I want to follow Jesus. I want to know the kindness of God and be forgiven of my sins. And if that's you today, if you want to either choose to follow Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you just want to recommit your life to him, if you will, just raise your hand and no one's looking around. I see you in the middle section. I see you in the balcony. Thank you. You can raise your hand. I can put it down. I mean, Maybe I see you in the back, yes. Maybe you're online today and that's you and I just wanna encourage you to hit live prayer if you're on church online and and let someone know that you wanna make that decision. But I want everyone to pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying a price that I did not deserve. Help me to be light. Forgive my sins. Make me whole. Replace it with fullness and joy. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate with those who gave their lives to Jesus today? We're so proud of you. I just want to encourage anyone, whether you're online or in this room, if you made that decision today, you can text the word DIFFERENT to 94000. Um, also, if you're in the room, there is a card that you can fill out. When you leave today, there's tables that um, have Bibles if you need a Bible. But we want to resource you and walk with you. But we're so proud of you. And just this is another just holy moment. So I just ask for everybody to be still. But if you just... Um, if there's anyone in this room that you would just say, I've let contempt take residence in my heart and I want to be free from it today. If you just raise your hand. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I just want to pray a blessing over us today before we go. Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks so kindly and gently to us and convicts us of our sins. God, may we walk out of this room different today. May we love others differently in Jesus' name. God, may we see the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives. God, work in us, heal our hearts so that we can help heal others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I encourage the last service, um, do a social media media fast of all kinds this week. I guarantee you if we will unplug from the news, from YouTube videos, from Facebook and Instagram, that if we unplug from that and we seek God's heart and we seek his face, he will speak and he'll reveal truth to us. You know, we need to pray for this election, yes. But we need to seek God for the heart of God on who the person is, and there's no perfect person. It's very obvious, right? But we can seek the way of Jesus and, and who we vote for. But more importantly, just keep in mind, be kind. You never know what somebody else is facing. You never know what hidden battles they have going on in their hearts. And they need the love of Jesus more than ever. It really is an honor to be your pastor. And Mel and I love you guys so much. You really are the best church in the world. And we love you more than you know. And I hope you have a great day.